scripture this morning is from the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Karen. All right, we've reached the end, our last sermon in our Off-Road Spiritual Disciplines series. And today I was kind of imagining these themes of Beauty and work is kind of everything that we've been aiming at this whole time. All of this, these ideas that I'm going to hopefully share with you today will hopefully inform all that we do in our spiritual disciplines. When I put the words together, beauty and work, I feel a little bit of like dissonance in my own heart, like beauty and work, man, that's hard to put together sometimes. When you work, do you feel like, man, this is beautiful, something that I'm doing? Or, and I know I've definitely had jobs in the past where I had a hard time finding the beauty in it. My first job 
was working for a soda bottling company in Sacramento. It's where my dad worked for many years. And I was offered an opportunity to work in the warehouse, of all places. And one of my jobs was to take the broken and leaking cans or cases that had fallen or had otherwise been messed up and to throw them into the recycling bin. It was a very messy and sticky job. Not one that I very easily found the beauty in automatically. I think we are often tempted to only see people who combine work and beauty as like professional artists, musicians, Those are the people that we think get to combine those things easily. But in my house, I've had a little bit of inspiration lately. Many of you have met my oldest daughter, Aurora. Now, for Aurora, anything can potentially be beautiful. We get a delivery from Amazon and a giant box shows up. She is the first person to claim that box after we've taken out of it whatever we've gotten. She can see beauty in that box. It can be something more than its original purpose was. And with some scissors, some glue, some coloring, she can turn it into something she thinks is beautiful. And we can see it as beautiful too because she's put her heart and mind into it. Honestly, there's something in kids like that, right? Where they can just see through what might seem normal, plain, boring, uninteresting to many of us and pull beauty and meaning out of it. Somewhere in our route to adulthood, I think we lose that ability a little bit and we can learn something from our children or the kids who are around us. Not only do we have a hard time seeing beauty in work though, but I think we have an equally hard time as seeing what we do in our work and how we live our lives as a spiritual thing, as a spiritual discipline. Outside of being a pastor like me or Mike, or being a monk or a nun or something like that, that's where we think, those are the people who do the really spiritual things. I don't really, you might think, I don't get to do spiritual things because that's not my job. Let me tell you a little secret about being a pastor. It's not all Lectio Divina centering prayer in silence and solitude every day. There's a lot more to it than that. But hopefully today we will see that there's something very spiritual in who we are, who God has created us to be, and in all of the work that we get to do. And because of that, who we are as people and the work that we do can be a spiritual discipline. The two things we will look at today, beauty and work, should inform all that we do, how we go about our day, how we step into any other spiritual discipline that we practice And that much of what we do, like I said, can be that spiritual discipline. The main point today for me would be this. We are made in the image and likeness of God so that we might spread God's good rule through our work and add to the beauty of the world. I'll say it one more time. We are made in the image and likeness of God so that we might spread God's good rule through our work and add to the beauty of this world. So let's begin with who are we? Who are you? In the reading today, we read through the the creation narrative in Genesis where God creates man and woman. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, 
in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the ancient world, it was very normal that rulers would set up statues of themselves all around their empire or their kingdom. The reason of this was to not only remind the people who was in charge, but it was so that the king or the ruler was seen as ever-present all over his kingdom. So that wherever you went, you knew who was in charge. You knew somebody was looking, looking at you, watching you, wondering what you were doing. Similarly, also, people would set up images of gods that they worshipped all over and in temples. Because the, those images and those statues were believed to carry the essence of what they represented. The deity or the king's work was thought to be accomplished through that idol or statue. When you went and you saw a statue of a god, that was like being in the god's presence. Wherever you saw a statue of the king, that was like being in the king's presence. Anybody who disrespected or defaced the image was in effect disrespecting or defacing the image of the king or that god. Let's all remember the story from Daniel chapter 3, where Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were in exile in Babylon, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, set up this huge golden image, and he demanded that everybody who saw it when the music played would bow down and worship. But Daniel's three friends did not bow down to the image. Why? Well, we typically say they didn't bow down because they didn't want to worship another god, a god that was set up in front of them, in front of the true god that they knew who they wanted to worship. This is true. They did not want to worship another god. But they also stood out of a defiance against misplacing their own role as an image of God and wanting to put that responsibility on something else. They knew that they were created as God's image, not this thing that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Yes, we shouldn't worship other gods. We shouldn't make idols and swear our allegiances to them. We need to worship God alone. But we shouldn't also give up our responsibilities as God's image bearers to that which has no real power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing up for their God-given roles as images of the true God, not bowing and ceding their responsibilities to an empty idol. One of my favorite prophets in the whole Bible, Habakkuk, he writes in chapter 2, of what value is an idol carved by craftsmen or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. God created us to rule over creation. He imbued us with the divine image so that we can be the embodiment of God's presence and influence in the world. From the responsive reading this morning in Psalm 8, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. 
You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have been crowned with glory and honor, friends. This is how God intended for us to be in the creation. Who are we? Who did God create us to be? We are created to be images, representations of God's presence here on earth, here in this room, here at home if you're watching this online or wherever you're watching this from. Wherever we go, God's presence should be apparent through us. We should be able to recognize God's image not only within us, but in those who are around us. Yes, even those who might not look exactly like we do. We are to enact and spread God's rule over creation. We are to participate with God to treat this world and the others around us as the good that God has said his creation is. And finally, we are created for community. God created them male and female. We need each of us to do this together. We need to work together as God's images so that we can understand the full image of what God has created us to be. Male, female, young, old, near, far, all of us. We need all of us to do that. Of course, there's a problem. Sin gets in the way, yes, from time to time. We're all here today, or maybe we're just discovering this today, that we believe that God has made a way for us to get back to fulfilling that call and understanding who we are as his image. Sin clouds that view. Sin gets in the way. Sin causes us to not want to live into that all the time. But through God and through Jesus, he's opening up a door that we can more fully understand that. This is why we've been focusing on these spiritual disciplines as well. They all help us to refocus ourselves back towards Jesus. Reorient our lives back towards God and and understanding what our space in this world is supposed to be. We have been saved by a merciful God who wants us to know who we truly are. We are not powerless slaves at the mercy and whims of a capricious or tyrannical God, as they were often understood to be in the ancient world. God created us. God loves us. He wants to help nurture and to bring restoration to us and to this broken and hurting world. We have been given this responsibility, this deeper purpose, a calling, if you will, to live, move, and breathe as God's representative caretakers here on the earth. And as we gain a better picture of that through following Jesus, that should change how we approach everything we do. That should change how we approach our work. So that then we can see that everything that we do, all that we do, all of our work is deeply spiritual. So what do we do? What is our job? What's our roles? Continuing on in the story of creation, Genesis, Genesis 28 through 31 God says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So what do we do? What's our job? We are supposed to grow, nurture, and develop the creation that God has placed us in and made us caretakers over and to strive to create beauty in it. Theologians call this the cultural mandate. This verse that I just read for you is the cultural mandate. Andy Crouch in his book Culture Making says, Culture is what we make of the world. Culture is, first of all, the name for our relentless, restless human effort to take the world as it is given to us and to make something else. God says, I give you everything. Do something good with it. Make something good out of it. You are my image and my presence on this earth. Act as I would do with it. Use what is available. Turn it into something greater than the sum of its parts. Not as dictators or tyrants demanding or expecting what cannot be consistently produced or replicated. Think of this earlier story in the Bible of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh was asking of them something they could not continually do. Make bricks without straw. That's not very easy. He put hard expectations on the slaves, and his demands were not going to get consistent or replenishing work out of the Hebrews who were under his rule. His tyrannical rule did not see them as people or as things to be cared for and nurtured so that they were empowered to continue in their work. No, he saw them as things to be used up and thrown out used up for one purpose and moved on from. This isn't how we're supposed to do our work and to treat others. This is not how we're supposed to treat other image bearers in this creation that God has given us a responsibility in. As images of God, our work matters. What we do matters. We don't subjugate and squeeze until there's nothing left to squeeze out. And this looks different for everyone. There's a whole lot of diversity in what we do and our work. If you, if you know my wife, Courtney, you know her work is very different than mine. She's an occupational therapist who helps people who recover from traumatic injuries or major surgeries. Admittedly, theology is not something she often deals with in her work. I'm a pastor who loves studying theology, preaching, teaching, helping people come to a deeper understanding of God. Admittedly, anatomy is not something that often comes up in my work. And this was made very apparent for us on one trip we took. I don't know if you guys remember those like bodies explored exhibits where they had like the embalmed cadavers where you could go and see muscles and all that kind of stuff. We think, hey, that would be a good trip. Let's go check that out. So we went, and she, inspired by anatomy, inspired by the body and the muscles and everything that connects in there, she's all like up, like in the exhibits, like looking at them, pointing stuff out and whatever, and I'm walking through the whole thing thinking, these are people. This is weird. I don't like it here. But the balance of what we can do together and how God has gifted us and how we can take care of this world and the images that God has placed before us 
we need each other. We need both. One of her professors, after she was graduating from her master's degree, was talking to us, and she discovered what I was doing, what I would like to do as a pastor, and she said, you guys are like the perfect couple. She takes care of the body, and you take care of the soul. Yeah, I like that. We all need each other as images to do the work that God is asking us all to do. Your work is different than mine, but we need each other. We need that diversity so that we can take care of this earth. And when our work is imbued with more than just the tasks, just the things that we need to do, just the limited responsibilities it feels like, when we put more into it, when we see the spirituality behind it, the image that God is calling us to be, that's when beauty shows up. What happens when we identify something as beautiful? We discover and can feel that there's more to it than just the sum of its parts. Just the things that made it up. Think of the most beautiful piece of art you've ever seen. If you've been lucky enough to go to the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa. Or if you've gone down to the Crocker Art Museum and you've seen the beautiful paintings of Yosemite. What makes them beautiful? Is it the canvas? Is it the paint? Is it the frame? Is it it's just its elements? No. It's beautiful because of the effort, the intention, the meaning, and ultimately how the work of art moves us. We can feel it. Think of the most beautiful plant or piece of scenery you've experienced. Is it beautiful just because of its elements and makeup and things that are inside of it? No, it's beautiful because of how all the pieces have come together. A rose with the petals and the leaves and the color. A sunset with the colors and the clouds. And we're moved because we can feel that there's something deeper going on. Think of the most lovely couple you've seen. Maybe you've been at the park and you've watched a couple walking around and you can just tell that's beautiful. They love each other. Are they beautiful just because they're two random people walking around a park? No. It's beautiful because they love each other and you can feel that. One of the commentaries I read said, We who are in the image of God should imitate his creation in what we create. Thus, for example, we should build a church that is a place of order, of diversity, of sharing, of meaning, of rediscovering, and of celebration. What if, as a spiritual discipline, we strove to do all of those things with, yes, the church, but in all that we do and in everyone that we come in contact with? Because we can see the image of God in all of us and we can see the deeper spiritual meaning of it all. How can you strive to make your work a place of order, of diversity, of sharing, of meaning rediscovered, and of celebration? How can you work so that your family is a place of order, of diversity, of sharing, of meaning rediscovered, or of celebration? How can you work with others so that your neighborhood is a place of order, of diversity, 
of sharing, of meaning rediscovered, and of celebration. Through that, through all of those things, through working to make something more than just what's available, to make it more than just the sum of its parts, spiritual things can happen anywhere, not just in this room, not just on this campus. Things can be made beautiful anywhere through all of the work that God has called us and empowered us to do. And honestly, sometimes things are just a mess. I don't know if you've felt that lately. Things feel hard, messy, weighty. That's why we need these disciplines. Why we need to be reminded that we have ways to reorient ourselves back to God. To work to see through the mess and the hurt and the pain and the anger. At home with the kids, our house is often a mess, especially after Aurora has done one of her box cardboard cutout projects. And we can be upset at the mess, or we can choose to see God, Aurora is your image. You have inspired her to do that. This is beautiful. God, all of these people all over the earth who are hurting are your image. What can I do to help make it beautiful? And anytime we do that work, we create beauty that points back to God. The origin of all of it. We, of course, have the best example of somebody who did this, who walked on the earth and did this in Jesus. Jesus, wherever he went, whoever he came in contact with, whatever he did, all that he did, all that he touched, he made it good. He made it beautiful. Jesus doesn't just take like Pharaoh or Nebuchadnezzar did. Take, 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 demand, demand, demand. But he transformed people. He transformed places and he empowered them to go and do the things that he did. He doesn't just lay burdens on people that prevent them from doing the work and finding the beauty in what they do. No, he said he wants to lighten our burdens so that we can lift our heads up and see who we are, understand who we are as God's image, and to do beautiful things in the world. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, he says. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how we should be in the world, following this example of Jesus, striving in our work and our calling and our vocation to make the world more beautiful, doing what we can so that others' eyes can be lifted and empowered to see the image of God in themselves and in others. Not burning ourselves out, with work, just for the sake of work, or burning others out just so we can get a little bit more out of them. Working so that the beauty in all that we do and all that we've been given and the deep beauty of our forgiveness through Jesus is apparent in all that we do and that we can spread that all over the world like God has called us to from the beginning. So as a bit of application... 
Take a moment. Close your eyes. Think and pray about what work can you do that nurtures the creation this week? What work can you do that empowers and uplifts others this week? What work can you do that makes God and his son Jesus more present to those you come in contact with this week? Can open your eyes. We all have moments. We'll all have moments this week to do those things. And we have a choice whether to see them as just humdrum, boring work that I get to have to do every day, or we can see it as a spiritual discipline. I get to be the image of God today. I get to make something beautiful today, or I get to show beauty to somebody else. Reminder of the point I gave us at the beginning, we are made in the image and likeness of God so that we might spread God's good rule through our work and add to the beauty of the world. And a better way and a great way that we get to understand and apply that in our lives today is with this table. The table of communion is beautiful because it's more than just a loaf of bread and some wine in a jug. We believe there's more to it than that. We know there's more to it than that. This is the great work of God on our behalf on display. This is God's work for us. And then we get to go out from here and participate in that. Darkness tries to hide and trembles at his own.
skinny 